You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Dose of Death podcast. As you can hear, it's just myself, Lauren, this week. Um, Mike is, was busy with some work-related stuff, so he will be back next week as we get another episode out. But I'm not alone on this episode as I have the first interview of the year with me, a man who um, I've had the great pleasure of getting to know over the last part of 2023, mostly to the end now. We're both chummy and friendly and all the all the friendly phrases I can think of that go along with the word friend. Um, this man has a great story to tell because not only is he a commentator, he has some other huge stuff in the works that are already in the works. Um, I am pleased to have on the show my good friend, John Bullard. John, how are you doing tonight? Hello, my dear friend. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Hope you're... Uh... Hope your day's going well for you, man. It is going well. I mean, I can't complain. It's a recording day. Those are always the best days when you get ready to record. And you're just like, yep, got got some good stuff. And, I mean, you um, being on the show, I'm really happy. As I put I put out a tweet with a list of goals earlier. Most of them were in regards to filming shows. But one goal I had was to have 20 interviews done for Your Dose of Death podcast. And I'm. And you are numero uno on that Appreciate list. So um, it's you're making it's, blood over here. <laughs> well, um, John, you are a commentary extraordinaire. You are a liaison extraordinaire. We'll get to that. And a promoter. So we're going to kind of do this episode in like three different like parts. So part one, um, also, you are a commentator. I was also a former wrestler, manager, and a host of other things in this business too. I even served hot dogs at one time when I was a teenager. Oh my goodness! So, but uh, go ahead for your questions. I, no, I you're good. Um, we like to have fun here. So, um, John, you are one of the voices of Ruthless Pro Wrestling, a promotion that is near and dear to my heart. That I've been working, had the pleasure of working for so far, and will continue to do so hey, in 2024. Um, I want to get where. Why did you want to get into commentary? As you said just r- earlier. You had been a wrestler, you'd been a manager, you'd been all over the wrestling business. What made you want to get into commentary? Well, I've been a commentator since I was 17. So I started in the wrestling business right in uh, my 11th grade in high school. My high school uh, teacher, she was an English teacher, the late great Diane Shruby. Her son was a professional wrestler, and that's actually how I got my first break in the business. Uh, young kids setting up the rings, taking down the rings, doing all the grunt work. One day I get that magical phone call. Do you have a suit and tie? Now, being a ring crew kid, you're thinking to yourself, well, why do I need a suit and tie when it comes to setting up and taking down the ring? <laughs> Didn't know the guy that was always our commentator and ring announcer that evening could not make the show. Well, do I know? Well, yeah, I got a, I got a little suit and tie. Sure. Great. Bring it. Well, brought it, showed up, and next thing I know is, well, here's your here's your sheets, here's your information, and and there you go. As a kid growing up, though, uh, my very first childhood memory of wrestling. Uh, I grew up in the Deep South, so 6.05 Eastern Time, WTBS. 
It was the voice of Gordon Soley. So listen to the Dean of Wrestling, in my opinion, the greatest wrestling commentator who ever walked. And to have that as your voice of your of your child, it's awesome. But then cable TV comes in and you got Memphis television with Lance Russell. You have uh, early Jim Ross before the boomer sooner, but early, like my opinion, off of his freaking game, Jim Ross, 1990s, he had Joey Styles and ECW. So my whole childhood was still full of like great voices and wrestling. So outside of being trained to be a professional wrestler, my love for radio, my love for, for television broadcasting brought me naturally to also be attracted to the world of being a commentator. So uh, I started doing commentary, 17 years old, uh, 21. Uh, I worked for a promotion called Southern Championship Wrestling out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I was the voice for WOBZ TV9. And I was part of the opening act that actually opened the show uh, that brought on to OVW. So oh, okay. it's, it's been a huge part of my life. Wow. I mean, talk about a hell of a circle around like the the Kentuckiana, the Indiana, like all over all over the place. Been I've been everywhere. <laughs> so yeah. Um so then I mean what what brought you to Ruthless Pro Wrestling and to into the world of really the world of deathmatch wrestling yeah. in that uh, sense? Kind of fell into it. So I was always a fan of hardcore wrestling, like I said, watching ECW as a kid. Uh, getting involved in the tape traders groups back in the days. Uh, so getting like the stuff from FMW, IWH, Japan, Big Japan, uh, which is very near and dear to my heart for other reasons. But uh, being in that little world, like I, I've always had a heart for hardcore, but working in Kentucky, for example, we have an athletic commission. So we weren't allowed to even hear the word hardcore. Yeah. It was like a very lame street fight that's like, okay, there's there's nothing here. So when it was uh, a good friend of mine, Davison Sarai, uh, she's good friends with the owner of RPW, Chris Kohlenberg. And she introduced me to Chris. She's like, you two guys would become like two best friends. Uh, and she dropped us off in this this chat with each other. And she's like, bye. And, just leaves <laughs> and me and Chris started talking. I'm like, man, we got a lot in common. Like, I, I like Chris. And so what ended up happening was uh, Chris and I was talking about doing uh some type of event or was there any venues in chicago uh previous venue that rpw had in chicago i don't know what happened Guy Lucha. yeah so don't know what happened up, either yeah so what ended up happening was uh i had a connection with the uh, world famous berlin eagles Club, and i got chris in, in connection with them i told chris was like hey uh they're great people don't know if they'll do deathmatch but we can roll that dice and see what goes with it. So me and Chris worked together and we brought Deathmatch Wrestling back to Chicago. It was me and Chris that did that. And very proud of, of that friendship that brought hardcore wrestling back into the city of Chicago. And what ended up happening was I wasn't even planning to do commentary for that show. Their commentator uh, originally that was partner up with Peapod, mm-hmm. uh, he had some things going on in his life, so he had to take a hiatus. So they were down a commentator. So Chris, knowing about my background, just asked me the question, hey, uh, would you mind showing up and filling fill in? Not to all of them, of course. Like, absolutely. And because now that resume I'm looking at, I'm like, I've never called a death match. <laughs> I, watched, I watched thousands of them. I never had the chance to call one. And 
Russ's history. And I got to work with uh, Peapod and, in my opinion, one of the absolute most professional play-by-play and, and color commentators. No matter what role he's going to switch into, he's, he's, he's uh, an amazing commentating partner. Probably ranks up in my top three all-time favorite commentators I've worked with. Well, I mean, that's really – I want to kind of let that sit with people because you really just – have landed on opportunity after opportunity. I want people to understand because I think some people get a little apprehensive about trying to get involved in wrestling. And I can relate to this as well as someone who literally started asking if I could literally film shows ringside. And, and now you see L Arbor studios taking off like a freaking train all of a sudden. And um, to everyone out there who is thinking about it, don't think too hard. Just ask, just, just ask. Seriously, just ask. Seriously, if there's something you think you can contribute to independent wrestling or to anything in life, for that matter, just do it. Like, when you, when you do a little little life lesson coaching on this one, too, to people watching this, the worst thing you could be in your life in the end of the road is the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Exactly. In the mirror and you said, you know, I would have been that guy, or I, I, I could have done that, or I should have done that. Don't do it. Just be that person. Go out there and grab it by the horns. If you fell, that's okay. I fell hundreds of times. Some of the best people in the world has fell. Get up, dust yourself off, keep going. Keep doing it until you succeed. Trust me. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's that's something that you've pointed out. And I had to point that out because it was just like, it's so easy to get caught up and think that you're not good enough or whatever. Just You never know until you try. And I think, you're you're literally an actual example of that in the independent wrestling world. And um, as you said, you brought hardcore wrestling, deathmatch wrestling back to Chicago. It's been kind of a it's been a bit of a rocky year for the hardcore deathmatch scene in Chicago, where they didn't know if certain venues were gonna run anymore or venues were run by certain promotions where they didn't have all the liberties. And to have deathmatch wrestling at the legendary Berwyn Eagles, it just it still to this day is the coolest thing to me because that is a venue that is hosted legends upon legends and RPW gets to add their names to that, that book. So, and um, I want to get though to now the middle part of this kind of three chapter episode here where because of your experience in the world of deathmatch wrestling now with RPW and with your experience around hardcore deathmatch wrestling, you are now working with Big Japan Wrestling, which you announced late at the end of 2023 and now 2024. You really are an English liaison for BJW, which for a lot of deathmatch fans, I feel like I think the first question that maybe I'll go with here is what does it mean to you to be an English liaison for a company that many deathmatch fans see as Oh shit, this is like the it's big the leagues. Big Japan is such a huge it's company. it's the biggest it's the biggest deathmatch promotion in, in in the world. I mean people talk about GCW and it's not a knock on GCW by no means. Mm-hmm. Brent Lauderdale has done a fantastic job with what he's doing. But in the world of deathmatch wrestling, Big Japan is considered the promotion that every deathmatch wrestler would say, I want to be there. Like I want to be in the, in the Corrigan Hall. I want to wrestle in Yokohama. I want to be part of the big gymnasium shows with 
1500 fans and, and, and then more. Uh, and so, yeah, to have, here's the thing I, the, the, and I got to pinch myself on this at times. Uh, not only does English liaison, but also do public relations mm-hmm. uh, or them in English for fans asking the questions. I help guide people with websites uh, and show them how to do translations. Um, and English commentary. Yeah, we're actually about to start that too. That's another big project that's about to sprout, which I'm very excited for. But this is a promotion that, as a teenager in high school, I was following. You know, as a fan of combat zone wrestling, way back when when <laughs> CZW was first starting, you know, I remember when they had their their whole partnership with Big Japan and the photos and all the cool stuff I was seeing as a teenager and a captivated. And then, of course. You know, being a part of the tape trader when I first got my hands on BJW stock, I was just like, oh my God, this is so different. You know, and they're really stepping up their game. To be now being the guy that gets to work with the promotion, uh, the president of the company is very much a, a friend of mine where we talk on an almost daily basis. To even get that opportunity is, is a once in a lifetime thing, which I'm extremely appreciative but also something that I will strive my best to, to do the best of what I do. And so it's, uh, it's humble. You know, this, this whole 2023 has been a crazy year for me because uh, in one year, uh, since I decided to come back to be a commentator, uh, I got to work for DTU in Mexico. Yes. I got to work for uh, Project X in Canada. Okay. Work with Setup Wrestling in Thailand. And I'm also about, I have an announcement coming up in March uh, where I'll be doing something really cool in the UK. So I think I know about the UK. I don't want to reveal it, but I do know we'll have a conversation after this. Absolutely. But to, to be able to say I've commentated death matches in, in Mexico, the UK, United States, and now Japan, I, I got to be like one of the only few people that actually could say, in America, at least. In America. I've, I've been one of the only few people who have actually done it. So, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's been a hell of a year, man. Yeah. And, um, I think my next question, especially for, and I, I want to ask this, I, I'm, I'm probably not the only one that's going to ask this when and you're probably yeah. receiving this question a lot, but um, what is a good starting point, would you say, for maybe like a new word deathmatch fan that is curious? about big Japan wrestling. I mean, you are an expert of the company and you are someone that works within. And um, I'll ask you in a bit about some current events that are happening at BJB because it's been a whirlwind oh, of man. a few weeks and we'll get into that in a little bit. But what is a good starting point for BJB fans? I mean, personally, I was a huge fan of the Kobayashi, Sakuda, and um, it was the triple threat with like all those tubes in that warehouse back in, during COVID. I forget was it Ishikawa, maybe? I think it was Ishikawa, I think. Yeah, Yuki Ishikawa. Yeah, it was Yuki Ishikawa. Like that, that what was like 500 tubes or something like that, and a Pretty warehouse. Nice. And that was Sakuda. I recreated the iconic sexy Eddie at one point, and Big Abdullah, who I've had the absolute pleasure of working with, just standing there taking bajillion tube shots. Like, but I want to hear your opinion about a great starting point for maybe newer Deathmatch fans. There's there's a few. Uh, if you go on YouTube, there's the uh, Blood and Death, uh, Big Japan Deathmatch History. If you actually okay. look it up. There's uh there's there was used to be there still is I believe 
If they're not, I'll need to talk to the owner about recreating this. There was a four DVD set of the history of all the Big Japan death matches okay. that were like, like iconic. So you go all the way back from the 1995 era when you would see like the no rope barbed wire match with Iceman. Uh, you would see the exploding balloons. That was okay. one match with ginormous balloons above the ring. And by the time it's over, all the balloons pop and thumbtacks fell out of the sky. Oh, yeah. Which is nuts because, like, you see people just literally just getting pierced with all these thumbtacks. <laughs> uh, Mats- Masanaga had a series of crazy wild death matches where the piranha tank, uh, there was a crocodile one with the yes. giant. There was another one with, like, the giant cactuses and the tarantulas or scorpions. Mm. Well, the tarantulas was uh, uh, scorpions. Uh, like, they did, like, death matches that no one thought of. Like, IWA. FMW had nothing on the Japan with yeah. this um, I would say, though, for a more modern-day fan, nothing beats that 2010 era where you had Sasaki versus uh, Miyamoto, okay. uh, uh, Raiji Ito uh, going to war with the likes of, of Kobayashi and, and going to war with uh, uh, Sasaki and a series of those matches. Um, to me, also, when you go into 2013, mm-hmm. uh, you also had the other Ishikawa, who, who was uh, Suji Ishikawa, okay. uh, the, iron, the Iron Giant, uh, of, of who's now in all Japan. But oh, there, okay. There's a match with, with that Ishikawa taking on uh, Takeda. Yeah. And probably one of the greatest matches I've ever saw. Not even deathmatch-wise, just period a match that was like, holy shit, this is pound for pound one of the most intense physical fights you'll ever see. Those matches, and I have no problem if someone wants to hit me up and say, send me those links. I'll be glad to. <laughs> Go on uh, bjwcore.com. Uh-huh. It's your streaming site for Big Japan. Yes. It's uh, 888 yen, which is roughly, I think with U.S. currency, is like $6.25 right now. Uh, for a monthly subscription, by the, be- I was gonna say probably the second cheapest like wrestling related stream that I know of right now. Yeah, and you get footage all the way back from 2016 and to currently the shows of today. So you can't beat that catalog either. So there's there's so many matches. Um, what I'm thinking about doing for this year is one to create a uh, guide to Big Japan for new fans. Okay, uh, all the wrestlers, their history. But also label down like historical matches that wrestling fans should check out on YouTube or check it on BJW Core and get to understand like why these matches were important or uh, turning points in the company. I think with today's Big Japan, what's going on now, we're headed into a new era where 95 through 2000, they were still kind of doing like the old school style death matches. But I think when you get to the 2000, to 2018 era, mm-hmm. you saw uh, a very athletic base. Yes. And now we're heading to this new generation where, yes, you still have the old guards, but now you're seeing the new generation of young talent coming up where you got the young Ishikawas, you got, um, you know, uh, Takeda still killing it. Uh, Sugimoto, yeah, yes. Yuya Oyoki from, from the Strong Style Division. Another mm-hmm. thing that guys are overlooking on Big Japan, Big Japan also does amazing Japanese strong style. Yeah, I was going to say, Sekimoto is like one of the most well-known strong style wrestlers in the world. 
honed his craft in BJW for years. Well, he's the head trainer of their dojo. So for a wrestler to go through Big Japan, they actually have to go through Sekimoto and go through his training regiment. So it's uh, so many good talent there. And, there's, and now you got all these new Americans that are starting to prop up. Uh, my good friend Akira, uh, the Death yeah, Fighter. Yeah, my good friend too. Love Akira. I messaged him this morning and I told him I'm proud of you, kid. Because you know, I remember when he first started out in Indiana and he was just, just, just picking up bookings and was looking to uh, how to get his foot in the door in Japan. And now seeing him not only succeed and having great matches against Takeda and Ito, but at the last event, Ito lost to, to Akira. Akira yeah. beat the legendary ace of Big Japan. Akira beat him. And Ito did something that I've never seen Ito ever do for any other American. He knelt down on his knees. I saw the photo this morning. And showed him nothing but respect, which is is super rare because Ito doesn't give that to anybody. Um, and that's wild. Akira and Akira earned it, man. So without a doubt, I would I'll put my own name on this. Akira is the next ace for the guy jeans coming over there. Straight up. I see him as being the next big challenger for the, the BJW heavyweight title. Uh, for for deathmatch, and also also wouldn't be surprised he goes after that strong style title too. Really? Okay. He's a hybrid wrestler. Man. He is a hybrid. That is true. I mean, he he has honed his craft in deathmatch big time, and it's now showing as you've put it out evidently. But they didn't really think about the strong style belt at first. But again, um, I want you kind of perfectly segued into the current events that is BJW right now. I mean, you had. I think like two tile changes in like four days of the yeah. BJW Deathmatch. I had Madman Pondo. I believe when he, that was his first time he's won the BJW Deathmatch belt, or was it like his third? Very first time. Very first there's time. A, wow. There's only been, I believe, uh, three people in all of North America that has ever won that belt. Abdullah Butcher. Yes. Is one of them. Uh, John Zandig was. Zandig, yes. And, and Pondo. Pondo. And I, I find the Pondo one more heartwarming in a way because when CZW and, and BJW had their split, mm-hmm. Pondo stayed. Pondo stayed back. Pondo was like, nope, this is where I want to be at. This is home. Where everybody else was like, no, we're leaving Japan. He was like, this is where I've always wanted to be at. I love Japan. And for all the years later to come back to this promotion and to be able to win the title, even if it was just for a, a one-off or whatever you want to call it. But he did it. And that's one of the things I put on the message board when someone's, oh man, he lost. And I said, you know what though? It's best to lose a title instead of to say, I've never won it. Exactly. At least you can say I was I was the best of the best at one time that company. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy because I think... In my years of following deathmatch wrestling, I think I kind of came into it when BJ was kind of a bit of like a down, especially like when COVID hit. They, oh. There was a lot of skepticism of the company, even though you had guys like Drew Parker in the door because Drew was one of the most, really the most talked about deathmatch wrestlers in that, that 2018, 19, 20, then COVID hit. And then, of course, he went on to win the, the BJW deathmatch title several times. And one of the only men to have ever won, probably I'd say, the three major deathmatch belts in the world in the BJW Freedoms and GCW Ultraviolent title. Um, 
And now I see this like renaissance where Baka Gaijin's back. Like, but the new version of Baka Gaijin, you have, yes, you have your Pondo, you have your Necro, but you have Akira leading the charge. You have guys like Satu Jin, who is a good friend of ours here. You have um, the young guys like Jack Bennett's literally made his debut. And literally, he's only been doing death matches for several years now, which is crazy. And um, then, I mean, of course, you have Drake Younger roughing DJW now, which is wild to me. That is one I did not have on my death match bingo card where Drake Younger refereeing a BJW match. Not only re- refereeing, he's actually came back to wrestle too. Yeah, I do remember the re- who, who. What was the match he was in? He teamed up with uh, Abdullah Kobayashi. Yes, it was him and Abdullah, and I think it was Jack Bennett was in that same match too. Yeah, I'll also do the 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 cards. I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but yeah, and I've, I've known Drake for a long, long time. So he's one of the guys that uh, I first met him back in a promotion called D1W up in Indiana. And we've always, every time we ever saw each other, it was nothing but, you know, friendliness and, and, and smiles. And Drake's, Drake's a good guy. When people really get to know him as 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 him, he's probably one of the most down-to-earth, most caring guys I think anybody could actually ever meet. It, it's always, God bless you, I love you, and, and I hope your family's doing good. You know, so I'm, I'm happy to see that he's doing well physically. Yes. And, uh not only that, but he's he's getting that smile back, and he's getting to to be himself and and to be happy, and that's and you always you want to see that with people you're friends with, and no matter yeah, you always want to see that with your what, friends, what, no matter what political philosophy you may have, but to know someone from being a good person for who they really are, to see that is is a wonderful you know feeling to see. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's just it all, all in all, it's really cool to see what BJW is doing right now. And yeah. yet, like, in you're as big of part of this new renaissance as they are, because not only they're wrestling, they're in the ring, they're, but you're bringing BJW to an audience that maybe has felt hindered at times and maybe ask themselves, so how the hell do we watch BJW? As you mentioned, you can go to BJWcore.com. And as you said, six bucks for a streaming service. There's maybe only one other promotion that I know of or hell fight tv if you still if you were in the original five dollar tier most people aren't i still am i'm lucky enough to stay in that tier but like that's probably one of the cheapest like deathmatch ask services you can get yeah and like you're you're leading that charge because you're helping you're helping broaden bjw to a new audience in a way and i think like i want i want to give you that credit because yeah, they're wrestling. They're the guys. The gaijins are coming over there. Akira's beating legends. But like, you're like every single part of the company is just as important, though. So I want to thank you because, again, for me, like with your help, I have access to BJW. With your help, I can really keep up with the no because sometimes I do feel a little slighted internationally because it's just not as easy for some places versus others. So you're doing, it's just a fantastic job now. And as you said, you have some huge stuff planned. So thank you, John, for all that. I appreciate that, my friend. That's, that's very nice of you to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's one of the things I do now is, you know, I always post on social media and 
you know, I, I tried to let people know, like, hey, this is the upcoming show coming up. This is where you can watch it. Yes. Uh, this is, these are the matches. But not only that, but I'm also doing interviews with uh, the talent, too. Yeah, so, I saw that. So where a lot of people are, like, trying to understand, like, oh, okay, so this is who this person is. And not only am I doing it for an Americans, but I'm also translating it back to Japanese for Japanese fans get to know who these who some of these young gaijin wrestlers are. Yes, that's like true. Americans. Uh, my good friend uh, Zeke Adino from Australia. Yeah. Who's a one of the absolute best of the best junior heavyweights, trained by Seth Rollins. Uh, he's over there right wow. now in Japan. And they asked him to stay over. Where most Americans are coming back, they saw him and they're like, hey, we want you to stay in the dojo uh, for a little bit more longer because we, we got these tours planned up in fe- February. We we would like to have you stay with us. They don't, that's not something that's said often unless you really impress the office, yeah. you know, impress the wrestlers too. Because one thing people forget too, and not only in Japan, is it the the uh, you know the the president of the company, the promoter of the company, but also that roster has a lot of say. Definitely the elders on the roster, going, we like this guy, keep him with us, or hey, we we don't like this kid at all. How about we send him back home as soon as possible? Because there's some guys that show up in Japan, not yeah. only for Japanese promotions in general, they make a complete mess of themselves. And the first thing that any of them are said to, you can go back home now. Like they they just don't want to deal with. It. This kid, he's he's impressive, and he's impressed them. So, for them to ask him to stay longer, it's like that's a privilege. That's a privilege. I sent a message this morning when I saw the news. I was like, "Way to go, kid! Like you, you keep doing what you're doing because you're impressing the right people." Well, um, again, like as you guys can hear, like John is a well is a well of. BJW knowledge. So if any of you have any questions, anything in regards to BJW, he is your man going forward. Trust me when I say this. I have started asking questions about BJW as well because I am just that eager to know. I mean, we I, this is the first time I feel like in like years, I feel like that it, like it, we've had someone that's going to be like, this is our guy. If I have updates on BJW, I'm going straight to you. Nobody else. <laughs> I do my best. I, I tell people sometimes, uh, give me a few days uh, so I give you an answer because, you know, sometimes I have to contact the front office and like, hey, what's the the deadline for this or when when can we yeah. expect? This? So I mean, sometimes also I feel like you know, like don't kill the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> if I go like, let you know ASAP. That's not me pushing it off. It's more of I got to know before you do. So let me let me find out. So. Well, thank yeah. you. Anyways, you do you do think you're a thankless job that is very thankful to all of us deathmatch fans around the world. So, um, I want to get to this last part here because you have a project coming up that has a very special place in my heart. As me and as me as everyone should know, me and John are both Midwesterners at heart. We we pride ourselves in things in the Midwest, as you see, both of us being on the front lines with RPW and whatnot, but. John, you have you are bringing back a promotion that was kind of dormant for a little bit. It was under the name Chicago Championship Wrestling. They have mm-hmm. rebranded to cha- Chaotic Combat Wrestling. CCW is back. And from the conversations that me and you've had, and um, I'll make the kind of the informal announcement that I'm really proud to be a part of the team. Do, coming in and taking video clips i'm so thrilled because of the what you guys are doing i want to bring that your vision to a larger audience but what you guys have planned at ccw yes 
it may come off as BJW in the Midwest, but it is a lot more ambitious than that. It is a lot more ambitious. I, I want you to kind of portray the vision that you see Chaotic Combat Wrestling have because everything I've heard so far from you is awesome, but I want you to share with the world what you have in store for all of us with CCW. No, to me, it's it's the love letters to the world of wrestling. It's not just, you know, hardcore wrestling, but, you know, strong style, King's Road style of, of wrestling. Because uh, I am also a huge fan of all Japan pro mm-hmm. wrestling. And you know, as a kid growing up tape trader wise, those 80s and 90s all Japan tapes were like magic. So I uh, want to showcase King's Road. I uh, want to showcase deathmatch wrestling, but I have a different twist to it because uh, my promotion uh, doesn't use, won't use glass. And the wow. reason, the reason why, isn't because oh no, someone's going to get caught. I feel like it's the most overused item in deathmatch wrestling. It's almost like a crutch. If you talk to a lot of wrestlers, and this is me coming from myself as a former wrestler too, mm-hmm. if you see a light tube in every single match. The first time you see a light tube use, it gets a pop from the crowd. Oh, but after the 50th time, you ever notice the crowd gets quiet. It's it's, it's oversaturated. It's very oversaturated. And now that we're also considering what me and Mike talked about a few weeks, months back where Japan's getting, they're running out of tubes it's going to run out everywhere eventually. So either you're going to get ahead of the curve or you're going to get left behind in the curve. Well, the thing is too, and then people have to remember there was deathmatch wrestling before light tubes. Yeah. About. And I, and I was always a big fan of the old school death matches because they had stipulations or uh, yeah, like a bed of nails, for example, but the whole match is based around, that bed and else. And when it was used, finally when it was used, the crowd went crazy. Yeah, exactly. You teased it and you teased it and then bam! And all of a sudden the crowd's oh, oh they lost their shit. So it, when light tubes came about, you know, it's kind of funny because it, it, light tubes actually happened in Japan. It was was Homa from from Big Japan. He was on top of the getting on top of the ring, whatever, and, and reached up in the ceiling. Yes. And the light tube came down and he was like, oh, uh, uh, Bam, hit a guy yeah. with it. And he noticed the crowd pop for it. It was like, oh, Japanese were just mind blown. It was like, I've never <laughs> seen that before. Yeah. But the problem was, it then became something that was used in almost every match. But to me, like, I want to bring back stipulations, but I also want to bring back a reason why we see a death match. Why is this happening? Why is these two guys trying to maim each other? Is there a reason for the bloodshed? You know, I know some people just like to see bloodshed for the sake of bloodshed, and I am too. I'm sure. But also, I feel like money is made more when there's a reason behind, you know, the rhyme and reason. Storytelling is so important. It's almost something that's lost by a lot of guys. It is. It's a lost art. It really is a lost art, and I'm glad that you're getting ahead of that curve and being like, yeah, like, there needs to be a reason. There needs to be a presentation as to why this is happening, like. It's only going to enhance your product more. And it's only going to be like, yeah, I want to come back the next show and see so-and-so have a death match versus, oh, it's just two guys. And it's just some fancy dream match that some fancy booker made, you know? Exactly. 
know, the funny thing is, I, I mentioned this uh, to a couple of the wrestlers that I'm friends with, uh, Schwartzy, uh, yes. was one of them. And I told Schwartzy my plan. He's like, you know, I got no plans for light tubes at all. And he popped the hardest for it. He was like, my boy. He's like, that's uh, that's nice because now you're going to see who can actually wrestle and who used the light tubes as a crutch. You know, Schlack even said this in, in one of the deathmatch groups on Facebook. Yes, he did. He said, once you take those light tubes away from somebody, now you're going to see who's the worker and who's not. Yeah, I was going to say, who's fish out of water? Who's the Who can actually swim in the pond? Who's the shark? And who's the shark that swallows the fish? And, yeah. um, like, I mean, and also, if you guys haven't seen, like, if you follow John Bullard on Facebook, you see all the Canada Combat news. Um, I was thrilled when he when you announced Eric Dillinger is going to be a part of the roster. I am thrilled. A guy who, to peel back the current just a little bit, was one of my biggest cheerleaders when I started taking videos at shows. Actually has used some of my clips in a high package he made for himself and all that. Like I had in my full blessing. Um, so really thrilled to see him. I know me and you have talked behind closed doors about some of the other plans and I'm very excited because in the Midwest, it's kind of a bit of a gray area right now with the hardcore death match scene. Like there are places that do it and then there's places that don't do it. And you're just kind of stuck there. Like, is it happening or not? And I think with what you're presenting, it's just, it's going to be a breath of fresh air again. And it's going to be, a, I like when wrestling is a variety show. I feel like sometimes that's lost because, oh, you just see super indie matches for like five, six, seven matches. Or you just see just like a hardcore deathmatch show with kind of the same stuff over and over. But like, you're giving us really the mishmash. And I just had a love letter to wrestling and the best way. And, I, and the Midwest has been dying for, I feel like a product of your caliber that you're, design and give us because when this comes out it's going to be crazy i i have a lot of faith in it i have a, a lot of excitement as you can hear me i mean it's i'm, I'm have, so excited we have talent like eric dillinger uh i just announced uh chris lyons from texas yes i saw that he was you know a lot of people like we're trying to compare him to like lee moriarty when they kind of see that a little bit the thing was though he was doing that style before lee moriarty <laughs> so so i mean it's like here's a hidden gem and one of the things i want to do with the company too <coughs> yes we use a lot more i'll use some well-known talent but i also want to elevate the unknowns that should be known where people are like wow we're this guy from like right here in chicago just nobody didn't give him a chance to really show what he could do yeah i've always been that guy who's always looked at talent and go i could do something with that person um back home in kentucky i ran a company called pro wrestling freedom I uh, gave Shane Mercer one of his first big breaks in wrestling. Alex Zane, uh, when he was in the backyard yeah. wrestling, I was the guy who got him his Kentucky wrestling license to wow. come and wrestle uh, professionally. Now he's in freaking New Japan. <laughs> so crazy. So I, I've always had a good eye for talent. I've always looked at someone and go, there's something special about this person. Maybe it'll take some time to work on them. Maybe it might be a little project in the making. But if they really do well, they're going to do really well. And I got a, a pretty good roster of guys coming up that I could definitely put my hat on and say, I can give them the ball, put them in this big match, this big fight atmosphere, and, and they'll they'll run with it. And I think if people give it a chance, I think it'd be one of the, uh, I never want to call it indie darling, but it could definitely be one of those darling promotions in the Midwest where everybody shows up to and go, you're going to see something really cool tonight. Exactly. You know, no matter what you like. If, if, if you hate deathmatch wrestling, 
you want to see good strong style and, and King's Road stuff, or if you love tag team wrestling, man, they got a really good tag division. Junior heavyweights. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not going to just do just luchadors, which I have a lot of good Mexican wrestlers I'll be using, but we're also going to be showcasing the British British style of wrestling. Um, the World Japanese sport, the yeah, the Japanese super junior style, where it's like you're going to see the MMA strikes and kicks and holds and wow. a little bit of everything. So. Yeah, when I look at wrestling, uh, I look at it as if I was a fan and I was going to buy a ticket, what type of show would I want to go see? And I also talk to fans all the time, and I like to be part of Facebook groups because you get to see the fans' reactions, you get to see what fans yeah. are talking about, and that's how you that's how you know your market. You're like this fan base wants to see this in the worst way, but a lot of people just don't give it to them. They're like. Sorry, we're just doing what we want to do. Like, well, you're doing it for yourself. Do it for the fans. Well, I mean, that's that really a, a great place to stop this off because this has been an incredible conversation with you, John, from your commentary days to being the voice of RPW to being this huge part of BJW's growth into the next this next year to now bringing this really cool variety show where a consistent Midwest variety show where sometimes the bigger promotions, they only come here maybe like once or twice a year where you're going to give us like a real nice base. And something again, like the fans are, I mean, again, I am so excited. I'm I'm over the moon about this promotion. I'm over the moon that like something like this is happening in the Midwest. And I'm just excited to be a part of the team as well. I can't thank you enough for that. But um, it's just gonna be cool. It's gonna be cool. Like I just, I love when cool things in wrestling happen. I just, I get giddy. I get real giddy when that happens. So, um, John, I want to thank you for taking the time with me. This has been an incredible conversation. Um, I always like to do this with my with people I interview. Um, how can people follow you? How can people get to know more about CCW and BJW? Of course, like where can people follow you? Where can people keep up with you? Plug away, my friend. Well, you can definitely follow me on Facebook. Uh, we look up John Bullard on Facebook. Uh, I'm on there. Uh, on Facebook as well, you can look up Chaotic Combat Wrestling. Just type it up, Chaotic Combat Wrestling. It'll come right up the heart of the barbed wire. Uh, you definitely want to uh, like that page as we're going to post up a lot of our stuff. I also have, uh, I think it's CC uh, Wrestling um, 24 on okay. Instagram. Um, yes. It's not. I also need the links to to properly do it, uh, but mainly Facebook is is what I've been using just to publish the things. I'm going to work on a new Twitter site uh, for the company as well, and uh, you know, of course, uh, we'll be utilizing things like YouTube, and we're also going to be working on, of course, uh, a streaming service partner. Now there's a lot of streaming sites out there, so yeah, kind of gives you the platform of who to pick to to do the best business with and I'm, I'm excited i am excited for the product i'm excited for the future i think uh wrestling is is definitely on a great ride and i think right now deathmatch wrestling could be on that next verge of, of something really big i just think it's going to take uh the, the talent but also feel like it's going to take a group of good people working together to really make it work and really develop something special yes we're a niche market i get it but i also look at it as there's a lot of fans that haven't really had the chance to see a deathmatch show 
or at least get to watch a good death match. Mm -hmm. And we should be striving towards giving them nothing but good wrestling to bring them back for more and make them a fan for life. Well, that is a hell of a way to top this entire conversation with you, John. Thank you again for taking the time with me. Thank you for everything. And thank you for giving us such great wisdom on this episode of Your Dose of Death podcast. Um, from myself, from John, have a good rest of your night, day, whenever you're watching this or listening to this. Catch you guys on the flip side. This has been a Countout Podcast.